Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, James. Hey, Scott. Here we are. Here we are. Another week. Scary week. Yeah, it's a little scary right now. I would like to talk to you about it. Mm -hmm. I think we should. Let's do it. Yeah, let's, because it's important stuff. You know, when markets are down, it's easy. I thought we were going to be talking about the Cubs record. Oh, man. Yeah. That's what I meant by scary. <laughs> yeah, oh, sadly. Well, I'm sorry. Sadly, I'm just used to it. <laughs> it's like going back to the old days. Yeah. On to more positive topics like the stock market. Yeah, let's turn to more positive mark like the stock market. Yeah, let's just, you know, when markets are down, it can make us feel like, are we doing everything right? Should I be doing something differently? I think it might be a good time to chat through a framework to think about for investing and put some data behind it as well. I think so. I think it's easy to talk about investing and have a plan for investing when things are going well and things are going up Mm -hmm. and then things stop going well and things stop going up. And Mm -hmm. you say, wait a minute, what about this? What are we supposed to do during a recession? Or what are we supposed to do during inflation? Or what are we supposed to do during you fill in the blank? And let's talk about it. Let's talk about as investors, how do we prepare for this a little bit, but more importantly, how do we what do we do in the middle of this as preparation is great. Hopefully you prepared well, but now we're in the midst of it. Right. And as of this recording, this is July 5th. Mm -hmm. Happy 4th of July yesterday. Yes. Market is down. S&P 500 is down just under 21%. So 20.75% downturn in the year so far. So that's context. So by the time this is out, it will likely be down more or up more. It will be one of those two. I can almost guarantee it. The chances of it being exactly the same, I wish really, I knew it was really be. small. Yeah. Yeah, not too high. So with that in mind, let's talk about this. You know, markets are down. That 20%, 21% doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when you apply that to a portfolio, mm-hmm. especially as those portfolios are greater and greater dollar amounts, that feels more and more painful. Yeah. If you have a million dollar portfolio at the beginning of the year, you're down $200,000 if it's in the S&P 500 only. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think the big question is, okay, well, we're down that amount and we're not even technically, well, it's not technically known yet if we're officially in a recession. Mm -hmm. So why would we stay invested if the recession's maybe not even here yet and may continue for some time? If there's still inflation concerns, they may continue for some time. If there's still just geopolitical uncertainty and that may continue for some time. Why would we stay invested? Should we stay invested? What should we do as investors? Yeah. This is the great reminder about putting probabilities in our favor. Yeah. Right? And so I think the first thing that it always comes back to for me, and if you have done planning well, this shouldn't be an issue for you right now, but it's you always want to start with, at least to me, what I always want to start with, if someone were to come to me and be like, hey, I'm really concerned. What changes should we be making? Let's talk about what we should be doing. I want to go back and first look at, well, What's the purpose of these funds? Mm-hmm. What are we doing with these funds? For most of us, we are either saving for a future retirement or we're already in a retirement. 
And even if we're in a retirement, it's probably supposed to last for 20 to 30 years. Yeah. Right? Yep. We are investing with the long term in mind. And if we go back, we did an episode a long, long time ago where we asked you which investment would you choose? And it was something to the effect of, you know, I can give you an investment A that on a has the probability of going up 50% of the time. And then B has the probability of going up 70% of the time. And then I think we said C made it to like 85 or I forget what the exact numbers was, but eventually it made it to, you know, you could choose E, which went up 100% of the time. And the question was, which are you going to choose? And the punchline was they're all the same. They're all the S&P 500 over different periods of time. Yep. And yep. if you have a long-term goal and a long-term need, staying invested is by far the best thing we can do because we can't predict when the recession will start or end. Yeah. What we do see when you look at data is that markets typically pre-price in coming out of a recession before, long before a recession is ever noted as being done. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to back up even a little bit where a few episodes ago, episode 153, we talked about how to even financially prepare for a recession mm -hmm. because investing is just one of the areas. We talked about everything from emergency funds to debt to withdrawal strategies to all the other things that have nothing to do with the stock market. Right. And so hopefully, you know, your emergency fund isn't invested in the S&P 500. That would be not advisable, yeah, to say the least, because the, you want to have cash. You want to have some security. You want to have things in order outside of your portfolio because that makes it a lot easier to go through these times and be okay. Right. So if you want to kind of understand what are those things to do, that's episode 153. This is more specifically on the investment side, but you're right. And I mentioned we're not as of this recording, technically in a recession yet. Mm -hmm. Are we going to be there? Aren't we going to be there? Well, we're not here to predict that. But what we are here to say is the way the market works is the market doesn't wait for the recession to hit and then say, oh, shoot, here we are. Let's drop 20, 30%. The market is so forward looking that the market's incorporating not just all the stuff that's happening today, but all the stuff that's expected to happen over the coming weeks and months and years even. Yeah. And it's discounting that into a price that we're getting today. Yes. So if it's expected that things are going to be bad, the market's not going to wait for that bad thing to happen. It's going to say, we're dropping in price today to reflect that anticipation. Yep. So even if we could possibly predict, are we or aren't we, that it's almost irrelevant because you have to ask yourself, is that already known or not known by the market? And unless you're the only person with that information, it may be priced in already. It's like such a good already. point. And one that I like to remind people of the more you think what everyone else thinks, the less likely that is to be impactful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? yeah. not, I'm not saying become a crackpot and go take contrarian points of view all the time. But if you are waking up right now and your concern is the war in Ukraine and inflation and a potential recession happening, and all, well, that's basically what everyone else is thinking. So it becomes harder and harder for that to become what happens. Yeah. The more and more everyone believes it. Yep. Does that make sense? It's usually the things that we don't see coming that cause markets to move versus the things that everyone thinks is going to happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it doesn't even have to be good things that make the market move. It's, oh, inflation was a little bit less than we thought it was going to be. Probably a positive sign for markets. Or, oh, the recession's not as severe as we thought it was going to be. Positive sign for markets. So it's not even an absolute good or bad. It's a relative better or worse that the market's working based upon and trying to guess what the market is thinking is trying to guess what's the combined consensus of all millions and millions and millions of people that are participating in the market. And right. It's just impossible to do. Yeah. Now, here's the good news, especially for people who are still growing their wealth. Mm -hmm. 
we all know, we all hear, okay, buy when things are going down. It's a good time to buy, buy low, sell high, yada, yada. And then things happen. It seems a little harder to do that because emotionally Mm -hmm. it's like, oh my gosh, do you see what my 401k looks like now? Or do you see what my investments look like now? But if you are an investor, when the market declines 20%, which Mm -hmm. is right about what it's done now, for every dollar you put in now, when the market just breaks even, those dollars will have gone up 25%. Mm-hmm. The math behind that is if you, you know, the market's down 20%. So say you have $100 and they're down, it's now down to $80. Yep. It now needs $20 to break even. Right. But that $20 isn't a 20% return on 80. It's a 25% return mm-hmm. on 80. So if I invest a dollar and the market just breaks even, like it was like where it was early January, that's a 25% return. That's right. pretty good for new money going in. If the market keeps dropping and it drops 40% and I invest a dollar there, every dollar I invest there, when the market does break even, that's a 67% return mm-hmm. that I get. If the market's down 50%, that's a pretty return. significant decline or yeah. pretty significant return. Yeah. 100% return once the market breaks even. But to add on to your point, this is why we will talk about sometimes on the show this thing called, what we call rebalancing. And now this is an instance, the first six months of this year was one of these rare instances where the bond market and the stock market actually both moved down fairly strongly together. Although I have seen when I've been looking at rebalances for clients, there are rebalances happening now from bond markets into yeah. stock market. But the point is, that if you take some of these funds, you know, relatively speaking, whatever has done best and you go invest in whatever has done worst in these moments, what to James's point, you know, if something's been down 50%, now when it gets to come back 100%, well, now you've taken more funds and invested for that comeback. So it puts you in a better position from the portfolio standpoint than if you did nothing at all. You can hear this and say, okay, well, cool. After a 40% decline, I would love to get a 67% return when I break even. But like, how long is it going to take to do that? And we have a couple of data points on that. Number one is if you just look at the total US stock market as a whole, after a 20% decline, on average, one year later, the market's up 22% from that level. And then three years later, the average of a three-year cumulative return thereafter is about 41%. And the five-year is close to 72 Right. So that's pretty significant. So it, it's not just hypothetical of, yeah, at some point I'll get these numbers. That's not too long. One year later, 22%. Three years later, 41%. Five years later, 72% on average. Right. I mean, some cases have been higher. Absolutely. Lower. That is the point, right? It is the average. But the key is the average is in your favor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We always want to put probabilities in our favor. Yeah. If we can do that over and over and over again, if you can win 51% of the time in investing on day, then you're doing just fine. You do that over enough days, you have such a strong case for great growth. Mm hmm. Okay, if I'm looking at this just practically, I don't okay, how long is it going to take to break even? Mm-hmm. Again, we're down about 21% so far year to date. What returns am I looking at, whether that's over one year or two years or three years? Well, let me ask you a different back. question. Let's say that you come sit down and you're looking at your portfolio and you're like, oh man, our portfolio is down 20%. Well, because it's down 20% now, the expected rate of returns for the future are actually better now than they were six months ago, yep. right? And just if you don't understand that at home, when the price goes down on something, it means that basically like the rate of return I need to get back to that price is actually better now relative to what it was before. The higher prices of things, I need more and more earnings to keep driving my growth and get higher returns in the future. 
Did I explain that clearly? Yeah, and it makes sense. Like if you just look at companies, these companies are still generating profits and revenue and all that stuff. You can just buy these companies for cheaper because there's now uncertainty baked into the discount rate people apply when they value them. Exactly. But let's say you're down 20%. And I just say to you, you know, James, how long do you think it will take for the 20% to come back? How many years? Well, I'm cheating because I'm looking at your whiteboard. Well, just give I me- I guess a, two. Let's you think it's going to take two years. So for, for two years, you'd be locking in a 12% rate of return mm-hmm. over a two-year period. Pretty doable. That's pretty sweet. That's actually less than the market generally returns over that time period. Right. The cumulative return. Yeah. Yeah. If over three years, you're looking at like about an 8% rate of return to get okay. back from the current levels. Mm-hmm. It seems totally reasonable, yeah. plausible that that could happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, we might see downturns more from here. We don't know where it's going to go. The point is getting back to higher highs is inevitable. Yeah. It's always happened to this point. The yeah. time that it takes to get there depends yeah. <laughs> and where you invest can also depend, right? So we have things like the lost decade of the S&P 500. Mm-hmm. That's why we tout investing globally mm-hmm. <laughs> on our show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% of recessions, 100% of bear markets have always recovered. Mm -hmm. That's just a fact. The other thing that's important to note is in every single instance, the stock market started recovering before the recession actually ended. Mm -hmm. So bear markets that corresponded with recessions, you can't have a bear market without recessions. But in this case, let's say it's a bear market and a recession. 100% of the time, the stock market started rallying before the recession ended. And that goes back to our point earlier, but the stock market is based upon relatives, you know, relatively good or relatively bad. And the stock market is not so focused on today. It's focused on the future. Yes. So sure, maybe there's a recession today. The stock market's not looking at it. It's saying, okay, well, what's, are we coming out of this? Are things getting better? Is manufacturing increasing? Is unemployment, you know, whatever the factor may be, it's increasing. And another fact about this, or just data point, I think is helpful to keep in mind is, on average, if you go through a bear market, it takes a little over two years to recover. Mm-hmm. So the stock market peaks, then it drops and it hits the bottom, we'll call it the trough, and then it breaks even. On average, that whole cycle from peak to trough to peak is a little over two years. Mm-hmm. Let's say that you just said, okay, well, what if I knew when the recession was going to start? I somehow had a crystal ball and I knew exactly when it was going to start. Because right now, if we are in a recession, we know it looking backwards because mm-hmm. the data has to come out. Mm-hmm. So let's say you as an investor knew when it was going to start. And every single time a recession started, you said, just pull my money out of the market for two years. So I miss out on all the bad stuff. Yes, part of that's recovery, but I'm just out of the market and then get back in. Well, you would think, okay, that's a pretty good strategy. You're missing out on the recession. You're missing out on some of the volatility there. You're probably doing better. Except when you look at the past 15 recessions we've had in this country, if you look at the stock market's return starting day one of the recession and then going 24 months from there, the average return is about Mm 7.8%. So even if you could predict perfectly the recession and get out of the market for two years, because that's the average time it takes to just even break even, you're still losing on average. Mm -hmm. And when you add that up over the number of recessions we've had, you're losing pretty big. So I think all it goes to say is number one, it's impossible to predict what's going to happen. Don't necessarily try. But number two, I think the biggest thing is the market. When we talk about time horizons, a long time horizon is years and decades and beyond Mm -hmm. the stock market. 
a long time for us as individuals is 20 to 30 days, right? When we're thinking about the vacation or the thing we're going to do or whatever. So it's difficult as investors because we don't live in the span of decades. We live in the day to day, the moment to moment, the news cycle to news cycle. And that's what makes it so difficult when we're seeing this stuff happening. Yeah. You know, I think two important things there. One is obviously there's good data on this to see, did it make sense to get out? And the answer is no, it did not. Getting out when a downturn is happening will make you feel so, can make you just feel so good in the moment because now you don't have to deal with the ups and the downs anymore. The point that we're making is those ups and downs are in your favor over time. So it's kind of one, (laughs) don't do it. But two, time in the market is better almost always than timing the market because to time the market, you have to be right perfectly twice. And even if you come in with a rules-based system that's supposed to work well, you can still see that investing in the markets can outpace some type of system like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just at the end of the day, understanding that this, what we're going through is relatively normal. So normal. Recessions happen, downturns happen on average once every five to six years. We haven't had a real one in since 2000 years. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, yeah, 2000, well, 2008, 2009 was really like the last real was the last recession like i mean i know that technically the covid like march of 2020 was one right but it kind of acted more like a correction at the end of the day it was was like so shaped down and up we were in and out yeah you know this is the first one in a long time so we haven't had one of these so it feels different but if you look at history if you zoom way out very normal the best thing you can do as an investor is to focus on behavior, less on trying to move stuff around and more on just your behavior and your discipline and continuing to stick to your financial plan, which hopefully you have, but understanding that time heals all wounds when it comes to a diversified portfolio. Absolutely. And these downturns are the reasons you get compensated with wonderful long-term returns. Of If things only moved up and to the right, you wouldn't get the return that you get when you're accepting the uncertainty that comes with the ups and downs of a stock market that's constantly factoring in all the information of everything that's happening around the world. Yeah, you'd get the risk-free rate, which is not much of a return. Not much of a return at all. Cool. Anything you have to add to this? No, I think that's good for today. It, again, comes back for yourself and what you can do Like if you're, as you're looking at this. If you have strategic asset allocations for yourself, go look at them and see how, what's shifted for you in your portfolios. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense for you to, you know, if bonds are now overweighted relative to your long-term allocation, does it make sense to sell some of those and buy some of the stocks while the downturn is happening? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that, you know, to piggyback on the last episode that we did about this, what to do in a recession, we talked about things like, do you look at Roth conversions? Do you look at tax loss harvesting? Do you look at some of these specific planning points that present themselves during downturns, but make sure that you are maintaining that discipline and perspective that all things pass at least 100% of the time historically they have. And it is the disciplined investor that does far better over time simply by not reacting emotionally when times like this happen. Exactly. Cool. Where can people find you? Yep, at stonestepsfinancial.com and on Twitter at Scott underscore R underscore Frank. And how about you? People can find me at rootfinancialpartners.com and on YouTube at rootfinancialpartners. Great. Cool. Till next time. And we'll see you all next time. Bye, guys. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.